Hey there, you're listening to 42 Slash, podcast about B2B marketing. Welcome to the podcast, Amrita. Uh, just just on background, I've worked with you in the past. I've known you for what seems like a lifetime. I know. <laughs> uh, but now you're at Float and you've had a an illustrious career at CrowdRiff Audiobox. And then now you're head of marketing at Float, which is mm-hmm. SMB Bank. No, I'm going to credit, no. credit for SMBs. Awesome. Yep, exactly. Yep. Uh, Cards and expense management for SMBs or spend management software is the category is called. Yeah, yeah. And happy customer here. And uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is the Coinbase ad and what you thought about that brand as a concept and how tech mostly ignores it, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I come from that universe of like performance numbers, spreadsheets, put dollar in, mm-hmm. dollar out. And also what you're doing at Float and how you're thinking about like SMBs, I think uh, it's a huge te- like a huge market, and I think brand could be a competitive differentiator there. Mm-hmm. And just how you're thinking about like brand in general, and particularly around float and how you're approaching it over there. For sure, yeah, all all my favorite topics. So, where should we start? I can maybe sort of talk a little bit about what I'm doing at Float, and then happy to jump into uh, you know this this tension that I see, and I know there's. It's like the perpetual where do SDRs and BDRs live argument. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's one of these arguments, brand and performance that never goes away. But yeah, I joined Float about a month ago. Great team. You know, when I was thinking about where I wanted to go next, as you can imagine, there's um, a lot of action right now, a lot of people who are interested in marketers. And so I spoke to so many companies and there's there's never been this kind of activity in Canada, which is super exciting. And I decided to go to Float for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, I know everybody talks about team, but I think that Float is really building an exceptional high performance team, which is different from the way other people are thinking about building teams. I think our co-founders and everybody that's been brought in, um, they're just super highly engaged and we really want to do our best work. And I think it's a career defining opportunity for anyone that's joining at this point as well. Um, the other thing is that it's such a huge opportunity when you look at the way, you know, the financial industry in Canada has been, um, you know, you mostly have your five legacy banks to deal yeah. with. And I think a lot of small to medium sized businesses have just been feeling a ton of pain around that. So I love that the market opportunity is huge. Um, so that's great. And then last but not least. I think the job of marketing is going to be really, really interesting and fun and challenging. And I love building things. Um, You know, I've joined early stage companies before, and it's really great to be able to set the strategy from the beginning, learn a ton, you know, hire the people that you want to hire. And we have, you know, raised a healthy amount of fund uh, raising in our first couple of rounds that will give the marketing team, you know, some legs to really run on, which is also really great because I know typically in early stage startups, marketing is quite under-resourced and that's not the case at Float. So yeah, I'm really excited um, and happy to talk more about that and really cool to know that you're a customer as well. Yeah, I'm a happy customer. I, I'm, I bank with TD and it is so painful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's me like uh, a thousand bucks on my business card and I'm like, 
could I have more? No. I get it. Well, we're going to have to uh, get you to do a testimonial. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot now that you're on, <laughs> that we're on live, live recording. So uh, I'll follow up with you on that later. Yeah, yeah. I have all my team has float cards. I give them discretionary spending. Like I'm like, if you need a subscription for work stuff, just like buy it and expense it to the company. Amazing. So just like, uh, it frees up a lot of stuff. But so coming back, talk Coinbase ad in the Super Bowl, did you love it or hate it? <laughs> so I loved it. I loved it for um, for certain reasons. So first of all, I didn't actually see it live. And I wish I had because I think, I wonder what my um, uh, impression of it would have been if I saw it live because it was so different and like you probably would have thought there was something wrong with your TV potentially. <laughs> um, so what I liked about it was that I thought it was an incredibly brave, creative direction yep. to take. Um, yep. You never see anybody running that kind of ad before. Um, obviously, I guess like the downside of this is that when you look at who their target audience is, will people figure this out quick enough yep. to actually yep. like try to, yep you know, scan the QR code or not. But what I think was really successful, which I think a lot of people maybe forget around these kinds of ads these days, is that the the value of the ad is not the 30 seconds of that airtime. That is part of it. But everybody, it's like, you know, the Super Bowl of yes. advertising. Yes. So everyone is talking about the ads. People are sharing the ads online. And I think from that perspective, it translates really well online. So I feel like this is the kind of thing that is getting a lot of buzz um, yeah. even after the fact. And yeah. I'm curious to see whether or not they feel like it'll pay off. And I can't imagine they spent that much money on that <laughs> production. So hopefully, you know, it was a good uh, investment for them. I saw a tweet by the CMO of Coinbase and she, she, she they worked with Accenture Digital or like, some, some big, yeah. big consulting on it. I'm just like, like, <laughs> I wonder how much it took. One, it took a lot of, like, there was no Coinbase reference. And like, I yeah. saw the, yeah. it was just literally a QR code bouncing around. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that is, that is amazing. But one interesting thing for me was like, like there, the Salesforce in contrast, they had a Matthew, I'm going to butcher his name, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. the Team Earth thing. Yeah. And I saw that ad. I didn't see it live. I saw it on YouTube. And I was like, are they just taking, like Coinbase was super like, scan the QR code, we're going to give you $15 of Bitcoin or whatever it was. Yeah. And so it was, in a way it was like direct response. Like yeah. they wanted people to take an action. But then on the flip side was Salesforce. And I'm like, what are they even? <laughs> like, yeah. It was like, it kind of boggled. Like I get they were taking pot shots at Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse. And like, yeah. like you said, like if my mom saw that ad, she'd be like, what am I supposed to do with this information right now? Yeah, I do find that like some Super Bowl in particular, I think it's sometimes it feels like it's as much of an internal statement as it is an external statement. And I think there's a certain pride in running ads during the Super Bowl. Like I know Wealth Simple ran their yeah, first yeah. Super Bowl ad maybe a year or two ago. And you know, I think it's just that you don't see Canadian companies, not that it was run, it wasn't run in the US, I don't think, I think it was a Canadian ad only, but still, it's the kind of thing that like, you would never imagine a startup doing. And so I do think that there's, and their audience, of course, is very much any, any consumer, any millennial consumer. But um, yeah, for something like the Salesforce ad, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I understand the argument of like, what's the point of a Super Bowl ad when it comes to brand? I think that for a lot of brands, it doesn't make sense. Um, mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot more to brand than running a Super Bowl ad. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Let's dig into that because I think that's like the crux of my confusion or yeah. like, like, like I'm like, okay, Super Bowl, mass media, mass, like you get so many eyeballs on it, but yeah. then not everybody seeing the ad is actually your target buyer. So like, do you want to speak to everybody? Like a sales, sales is like strictly B2B. So like, I was like, well, there's like millions of people watching it. Maybe 1% of those people are actually executives at like a company which will buy CRM or service software. Yeah. But they're making a board statement. Maybe it's for the PR. But again, like that's not all to brand is like would love to dig into that and say, what what do you mean? Like, could you dissect that a little bit? And sure. maybe yeah. And I think that's where maybe some of this argument is like, in some ways, I feel like it's a bit of a circular argument because there, there is no one definition of brand that everybody seems to be using. And so I think sometimes when people say brand, they think of these big, expensive mass market ads that yep. are like a Super Bowl ad. And yeah, does that make sense for most brands? Like you could argue, no, I think for some brands, like for certain consumer brands, I would imagine it does. But for me, you know, I've always thought of brand as sort of the sum of all experiences somebody has with your company. And if I had to use a shorthand, I'd say your reputation. And so I don't think of brand as just like your visual identity or like non-performance ads. Like I don't really think of it that way. I think it's simply how do you how do you stay in the minds? How do you get in the minds of the people that you're trying to reach? And how do you stay top of mind for them? And yeah. while I think that there are lots of different routes to early stage growth or growth in general, I don't think that brand is useless. Like, I think that's part of where I would say, like, I had a bit of a difference of opinion that I, I don't necessarily feel like sharing on Twitter and getting into, you know, yeah. these like random arguments <laughs> with people. But when you think about all of the channels that we use for performance marketing, so, you know, paid social, paid search, there might be some, uh, you know, website tools that you're building. Like there's a number of different things that you can do from a performance perspective, but what is it today that actually is going to get your ad noticed versus someone else's ad? That is brand. Like yeah. it's not just yeah, about yeah. having the right mechanics around targeting. Like I do think that there's um, a science to running performance marketing and growth marketing in general, but I think of the brand piece as plugging into performance. So that's partly why I always wonder why is there such, why are these things seen as being opposites yep. when they're actually just like two sides of the same coin, yep. right? Yep. And so yep. you look at, um, you know, I look at a company like Superside because I know that we, yep started talking about this on Twitter. I mean, there are a million other options that you can use instead of Superside. And there's even other alternatives to their exact model, right? Upwork, yep. you can argue Upwork, Upwork is yep. a model um, for them. But if you look at the way that they represent themselves online, to me, they are telling a different story through um, who they choose to put forward in their marketing, how the, like to me, their, their best ads are often like, their ads are the best representation of their work. In fact, yeah, yeah, I yeah, started yeah. to even consider Superside for yeah. a float because their ads were really, really well designed. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. to me, like that is the power of brand because I could have gone to Upwork and I yeah. chose not to go to Upwork and I'm paying, uh, you know, 
premium to go to Superside. And I think that the brand actually is what got, got noticed for me, even though I didn't, of course, know, um, you know, the other Amrita VP marketing. But anyway, so that's kind of how I feel about brand. And I think that um, there are probably certain brand investments that don't make sense for an early stage company. And I think that it really depends on your category and what tools you have to differentiate yourself. And so I think for um, even in B2B tech, like there, I noticed that um, brand can even encompass things like community. So you look at um, the brand of, I'm trying to think of a category. I mean, I mean, messaging is an obvious one. Why are so many people using Slack? It wasn't just because of the functionality. It was because of these other benefits. And so I think I said this in the Twitter conversation that people buy for so many reasons. And I think most B2B marketers, they believe that people are rational buyers and they're only going to buy based on like a checklist of features. And I think that that is part of it for sure. And if you look at a product like Shopify, of course, like their product was better. But, you know, they themselves call themselves the rebels. Like that is a brand statement, right? And so in the same way, I think that for a lot of categories, um, we know that people like to hear what their peers are doing. You know, people like to associate themselves with certain brands. Like you and I have talked often about the marketing automation space. And I feel like (laughs) probably controversial, but... Like to me, it's like if you use Pardot, I feel really sorry for you. You know, <laughs> yeah. or I feel like, you know, if you use Marketo or uh, I mean, even Marketo, I think is not great, but it tends to be a product that a lot more like complex, sophisticated brands use. But I feel like the choice between HubSpot and Pardot, I do think, is partly. I mean, it's mostly product, but I think brand plays a role in there yeah. somewhere because HubSpot yeah. are the one, is the one that's out there doing a lot more like thought leadership and yeah. um, they're, they're much more visible. And so to me, that's sort of how I see even yeah, B2B brand making a difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's, what's interesting, you mentioned the, the story part. And one thing that always confuses me is people like, people always say, you should tell stories. And I'm like, but I'm not a Hollywood screenwriter. Like, what, what do you mean? To, you know, like, yeah. is it, I feel like a lot of people will take the positioning messaging thing and like put it in different ways and like everybody will have their own spin on it. And I think that partially creates confusion around brand as well because brand positioning messaging, who you talk to, where you play, like all these things to me at least seem interconnected. But like I, you will say positioning, I, somebody will say tell a story, somebody will say create a new category, somebody will say it's a design narrative, it's a this. I think partially I think like that might like yeah like would love mm-hmm. to understand what when you say like tell a story around the category or the product or whatever what like tactically speaking what does that mean like for mm-hmm. float example, like we can mm-hmm. take like top of mind for both like when you think about brand and story at float like is that like telling your customer stories along with like how you position the product like what is that in mm-hmm. yeah Yeah. And I think uh, in B2B, it's a bit different because typically a lot of the brand work that happens in B2C around positioning and messaging happens with like the brand manager, where at in B2B, typically there was no brand function until like much, much later. And so I think product marketing actually overlaps a lot with what B2C companies talk about as brand. But for a company like Float, I mean, if you think about it, there are multiple other options for corporate cards. Right. 
And so first problem number one is how do you even get people to hear about us? And I do think that um, even something as simple as your identity or your visual identity is a part of it. You need people like, I mean, you close your eyes and you think about CIBC, you see that red color, you see, you know, RBC, you see the blue with TD, you see the green, like that is also a part of like how people recall who your brand is. Yes. And then from a story perspective, I think it depends on every company for us. I would say we want to tell the story of our customers because our customers are super, you know, happy and experiencing the pain of the before and like the the much better sort of, you know, story of the after. And so um, we know that finance teams and like any role, really, you care a lot about what your peers are doing. So we'd rather the finance director of a company talk about why this has made a difference for them and like putting their stories forward is really important. And then if you think about it, like, you need people to watch them or read them. And so brand includes like right. how you write the story, how yes. you shoot yes. the video, because if you look at the yeah. difference between like a bank video and a float <laughs> video, <laughs> right? Yes, that's an, yeah, that's like you actually want people engaged and interesting. And I guess this might be a dumb question, but I guess a lot of it ties into the benefits of the product too. So like it's- For sure. Hey, these are the core benefits we bring to the table. So that's part of the- brand story or whatever absolutely like it still is like like i said it's the functional social and emotional and so one of the things we see with float is that a lot of startups are using us and i think there is this kind of affinity with float because we are a startup we totally get the problem that our customers are facing and so i think that that is part of our differentiation and again like the way we tell the story is going to be part of how we get noticed. Of course, like we're still running text ads and like other types of growth yep. sort of efforts. We do outbound sales, but um, I still feel like it's, you know, people have the choice now of a lot of different options. And, you know, of course, I think we will always be a product led company. We want our product to be the best product in the category, but it comes back down to in the early days when nobody knows who you are, I think brand can actually help you get noticed. Yeah, that's interesting. And how do you balance brand? Well, I don't want to say direct response, perform, whatever. Like brand, like brand is not necessarily asking people to sign up for the, or, you know, sign up for the product or something right away. You're just like saying, hey, here's this thing. Think about it. You don't have to do anything right now. But at the same time, as a startup or a company, you, you need to balance. Like, how do you think about balancing your, let's say, AdWords? text response, direct response stuff versus like your bigger brand efforts. And like, mm-hmm. especially when you're like, I think you're like, you guys are pretty early stage. So like, how do you think about like, Hey, my short term goals are X, my long term is this. Like, how do you, how do you think about balancing those two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a harder question. I mean, I would say at other companies, it has really depended on sort of the category we were in. Like, I think, I've typically not had brand be sort of as prominent from a budget perspective, for example, like everything certainly in the early days that we've done has always been much more like um, measurable. But I think of brand still as like the fuel that goes into the engine. It's like, it's the way we tell our story. And so at Float, for example, you know, of course, we're going to try kind of traditional 
uh, growth tactics. But I believe that without giving too much away, I believe that there's some really interesting things that we can do that are a bit like out of the box and less cookie cutter. Um, Because again, I think right now everybody has access to the same channel. Everybody does the same stuff. Yeah. yeah, And so I look at even your own marketing, right? 42 agency. Oh yeah. (laughs) There has been a noticeable shift in the last few months in terms of how you market. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like your newsletter. Yes. Your the memes you're creating. I mean, I shared one of your memes the other day on LinkedIn. It's gotten like 6,000 views. <laughs> right? So, yes. <laughs> no, that's true. Like, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's part of your brand voice now is being this um, a bit like cheeky and yeah. sort of like very honest and authentic instead of very slick. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. That's it. Just comes from me. Like I think when I think about yeah. it, like that's just my personality, and I think the yeah. team that I've assembled, like that, sort of reflects on them. But yeah. it's good to know we're getting like that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm curious too. Like, what do you? Where do you? I guess struggle to understand brand and demand. I guess well, when it comes to my own business, I like agencies are so commoditized. To be honest, like. So I need to focus on the, like, if I'm running AdWords and somebody's like saying, oh, these, these guys ten 10K, oh, this agency's 5K, I'm going to go for the 5K one because it's just cheaper. Yeah. Like there's no added, you know, it's just purely based, based on price. That's why I'm sort of, the newsletter and stuff is sort of to position us as a more interesting B2B agency. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So. yeah, totally. I, I get it. And I know that like, you know, Craig Miller, who is obviously super smart, um, you know, his experience at Kijiji and Shopify, like not every company has a product and is in a space like Kijiji and Shopify. Like there are companies where right. brand will matter more or less. Yes. And so yes. I agree with, and I didn't want to argue with him. I agree that for those two companies, I think that brand you know, you look at like Craigslist, I kind of see Kijiji in the same way that it wasn't really about the brand. It's functional. Yeah. Just like yeah, it was very functional. Yeah. And oh. Shopify is interesting because, um, you know, they didn't start off investing in brand and, you know, it worked for them. Like I think they did double down in product and I never, I don't ever want marketing to outpace the product, yes. which sometimes it does at some companies. Yes, I like, and I, I don't mean this as a bad way, but I think Drift is a like. I think in a lot of ways, sometimes their marketing would outpace the product. They would, their marketing mm-hmm. would be amazing, and when you mm-hmm. sign up for the product, you're like, really? Like, I can't yeah. do that. What? Yeah. <laughs> do you think yeah. like Shopify being sort of the first, or like they were like e-commerce itself? Like they were sort of in a relatively new movement category market, whatever. But if you're in a more crowded, like, I'm just thinking, um, oh my God, I can't think of anything. <laughs> Project management software. Like there's yeah. tons and tons of them. Yeah. Do you think the brand that makes like, if you only do direct response, that's fine. But like, you need, you need that brand to give you that edge if you're in a crowded category versus if you're like e-commerce, you know, there's like big commerce, Magento or whatever, Shopify was like also on the lower end of those, like the most of those tools are more enterprise. Mm-hmm. And that that makes a that tips the scales either way or it just depends. Yeah, I think like I keep coming back to the word positioning, which I think depending on who you are, you know, you could wrap that into like brand or not. But I think in the 
ways that you're describing, I still, it comes down to positioning. Like in the context of these different options, how do you want to carve out what you are special at in a way yep. that your customers will really relate to? And so in project management, you know, I think teamwork, I think they focus on customer success teams. I can't remember. Agency. Sorry. They, they focus on agency. They're one of our customers. Agency. Okay. Agency. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at Basecamp, who, you know, started off also focusing on agencies, but they built up their reputation mostly with design agencies. Like that was sort of their yeah, bread and butter yeah, for yeah. a long time. And they, you know, that was sort of how they built their brand. And I think a lot of people do things that I consider to be brand related, but they don't call it that. And so maybe that's also why there's that bit of a disconnect. Yeah, that's cool. Like right. I think Basecamp is an interesting example because the founders are pretty vocal and I think what they do on Twitter, I consider as a brand thing because totally. they're totally. just putting themselves out there and like people are like reading this stuff and they do like, yeah. oh yeah, I agree with this. I'm going to use this. Like they're, they're sort of yeah. being loud on purpose. Yeah. Do you remember there was this company called Mailbox like five years ago oh, or the something? Dropbox one? Yeah. I that think they were, yeah, and it was like, there was like this giant waiting list for them. And yes, if you look, yes, yes. they say that they didn't do any marketing, but they got so much press. And yeah. so I think that's like PR is another thing that often gets overlooked, but that to me is part of brand. And yeah, so I yeah, think yeah. that's where, yeah. um, again, I think a lot of times there is a bit, there is no one way that B2B marketing teams are thinking of their brand teams. I can many cases brand is creative. That's what it was at Crowdrift for us. Like our brand team was our creative team. Um, yeah. And then there are other companies that may be sort of um, pushing it to include like social and communications and PR and things yeah. like that. And I think it just depends on the way that leader is thinking about these different functions yeah. and how important it is to the, like in that market, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's, I think what I what I loved about your framing was it's it leans heavily into product marketing too. Like I think that's like our brand, in a lot of ways that's your brand function because it defines who you are, what you do, what you say, and then everything sort of goes from there. Totally, so except that like product marketers traditionally didn't really approach their um, their function with that sort of extra ingredient that I think the brand, the creative side of brand was yes. doing, and so I think yes. they are masters at nailing the functional story, yeah. but not always as good as nailing like the delivery of the story. And that's where yeah. I think brand can really help. Yes, yes. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. But I had a question on Twitter from Paula from Shopify. Oh. Well, <laughs> I tweeted, I'm talking to you. <laughs> what do marketers get wrong? So would love to just give what her, do, give her. What do marketers get wrong in general? Yeah, I think she's just talking like, in general, what, what do marketers get wrong? Hmm. What do marketers get wrong? Oh, well, one thing I guess um, I think that marketers do wrong is they start by throwing a bunch of tactics at the wall and seeing what oh, yeah, sticks. Yeah, you talk about this too. Yeah, we'd love to dig into that. Yeah, instead of like, if you do a little bit of work up front to really observe what your customers are doing, where they hang out, how they talk, who they're influenced by. Like it will take this, you know, hundred, hundred option checklist and help you yeah. narrow it down to certain ones. So um, you will start to see that like certain experiments don't even worth yeah. like going after. And so I think a lot of marketers forget about that or they, we've, we've been become like a, a function that often 
talks a lot about tactics. And so I think the tactics are what get people sort of um, going in a particular direction, especially if you look now at like what you see on LinkedIn, like every day you see lots of people talking about this thing that they did and how it worked for them and so much advice. But I think that, um, you know, these playbooks don't work across every company. Like you really have to like be really observant about your, your customers. Yeah. Yeah, The LinkedIn thing is interesting because these days everybody and every company is trying to build personal brands for their employees. And I'm just like, like LinkedIn is mostly sales and marketing people. So unless you sell to sales and marketing people, why are you spending your time? Yeah. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, like going back to the crowd roof example, like you were amazing at like just being friends with our customers, like in the travel DMO industry, like you were amazing. Like that, I, I think I love that focus on like, who's your customer and get close to them versus a lot of marketers might be working in manufacturing and they're like, I'm going to build a personal brand on LinkedIn. I'm like, but what about your customer? <laughs> like your customers don't care about your personal brand as a, as a yeah. marketer, unless like it's for jobs and stuff like that, which is separate. But yeah, I think that's totally true. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I'm still figuring that out myself, like for selling into people who are not marketers, because every function still has their influencers, right? Yeah. Like, we sell to finance and accounting teams. I learned that there's an Instagram account that everybody follows. And it's just like all jokes about like accounting. And so <laughs> I follow it now. But like if you had asked me, do finance folks hang out on Instagram? I would have probably just said no. Yeah. Not yeah. knowing, because like before I yeah. really knew what, you know, what our customers were like, but they're still they're still hanging out somewhere online. And so I still think that there are opportunities. Like I don't think there is as many and maybe they don't go on LinkedIn as often, but I'm not convinced yet that LinkedIn is only good for sales and marketing. I think that, um, I think more people are starting to, now that LinkedIn has sort of changed its function to becoming more of a news feed and a and a yep. discussion network. I, I wonder if we'll see other professions. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Like uh, one of our customers is selling to contractors and like we find some success with LinkedIn reaching those people, but it's LinkedIn can be a very insular sales and marketing, patting each other on the back, throwing yeah. tactics at the wall <laughs> saying yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, build personal brands and stuff like that. Well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, and uh, the other thing I was thinking about what marketers get wrong, which I know it's a topic you like to talk about, is attribution. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to put it out there. I'm not an attribution apologist, but I think like if there is some value to it. Like, I know that not everything is attributable, like 100%, like Super Bowl ads, whatever. But I think there's some value to like just understanding what the customer journey is so you can properly allocate your bets. Like, that's, that's just the yeah. way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think attribution is a hard one for B2B also because when I think about Crowdrift, for example, um, you know, there's so much that we did that was really hard to measure, but that we still knew was helping us. And, you know, I think there's, a, you know, the term dark social that everyone is talking about now, like that's existed for a long time. Yeah, I know yeah. the, the term is sort of a buzzword yeah. now, but that's another like example of if I had only focused on things that were very directly measurable, I think I would have missed out on other opportunities. And I, it's it's hard because I get it. Like you don't want to be investing money and then not sort of hit your 
your goals, but I feel like you have to leave some room for things that are harder to measure. Um, And so I think that's one thing that marketers get wrong. And and I get why, like they're under a lot of pressure to prove their worth to everybody else in the company. And, you know, I think that attribution is designed to help with that problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think there's there's pressure on marketing to prove that it works and that leads, leads to a lot of wrong behaviors. But like you said, like it's become, a lot of it comes down to being top of mind. Like when I'm, I'm, when I'm in market for a spend management solution, I, I've sort of seen float around. I'm like, oh yeah, let me talk to them. Like I was thinking about this last night when I go to the laundry detergent aisle in a superstore. Like, why do I pick the laundry? Because I'm like, it just, I, my hand goes for Tide or whatever. Yeah. And it just is subconscious. Like I've just seen them around. I hear about them. I see them on YouTube. I see them on like display. I, I see their TV ads, and then like naturally my inclination is when I when I yeah. need some laundry. I just like I don't think one laundry detergent is functionally better than another one. Like I think yeah. they all do the same thing. And but ultimately, like it's yeah. I think and I don't know who said this, but like I feel like SaaS and technology is going to that where everybody can build the features you have. So like it becomes that brand becomes that differentiator. Yeah, I think it's a good question. Like, I think um, in certain categories, it often becomes, you know, who do you best build these this product for? And so I think in the case of chat, for example, you see that some, com- you know, there's so much competition in that space. But I think that within these big categories, even in our category in fintech, like not everybody is the perfect fit for being a float customer. Yes. But yeah, we know yeah. that certain people are. And so it's making sure that we're positioned with those yeah. companies so that they know that, you know, we can really solve the pains that they have. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Do you have your, your soapbox? If you want to take some, you know, say something about <laughs> give a shout out. you guys are hiring. So. Yeah, we're hiring. I don't know. I was, I was just thinking about soapbox. I don't actually have a soapbox. I think that um, I'm still learning, you know, I definitely am opinionated about certain things in marketing and, I think that, um, you know, I, I'm also not approaching marketing from the perspective of, of an engineer. So I would say that sort of clouds <laughs> yes. my own biases as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I th- we're hiring. We've got um, an amazing year ahead of us. And I think if you want to, like, get in on the ground floor of a company that I really do believe is going to make a mark in Canada, I think that is really the exciting marketing opportunity here. And you know, imagine being um, able to sort of look back and feel like you really, you know, made, yeah. uh, built a brand that is known across the country. Yeah. That's really exciting. Amazing. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you liked it, tell someone about it.